On today's show, we'll tackle the Trey Young pseudo rumor, and I use rumor very loosely, in addition to some mailbag questions from you, the listener and viewer of this podcast, all that and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1478 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday here in late May. And today's podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app right now. Create an account. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed with Game Time. And today's show, we'll be getting into some news on top of the podcast, as well as some mailbag questions from you, the listener. I've been trying to do some mailbags with a semi regular basis in the uh, last couple of months uh, in a through the playoffs and now in the offseason. And uh, I should also plug at the top of the podcast that I am doing this player capsule series with my friend Glenn Willis of ATL 29. We're talking about all of the Hawks key rotation players. We've already done sort of this, the supporting pieces as well as Sadiq Bay, AJ Griffin. We have money more coming on the way. So it's a good time to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. And please, please, please make us your first listen each and every day. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Also, I've been traveling over the last few days, but I am back now, and uh, we had the Edge of Griffin podcast drop, drop on Sunday night. I'll be back later on this week as well, and for some draft talk in the very near future, because the draft is now less than a month away, and again, player capsule stuff as well. But in the middle of all that, I had enough news, and uh, news in quotation marks as well, to talk about to do a podcast that was uh, more of a solo effort on this one. Also, some of my questions later on, but first, we have the Trey Young mention in the Jovan Bulaz piece of the athletics. So if you miss this, if you're under a rock on Tuesday, I will say one thing before we dive in. And this is not a trade rumor. I've seen and heard the words trade rumor. I saw some uh, some prominent social media accounts like making actual fake trades for Trey Young to the Lakers, uh, none of which are even, even in the realm of real, I will say. Um, I'll just say it's not Johan's, Johan's fault, by the way. He uh, he just did his job in this reporting. But I'm going to read what he wrote as part of a larger piece. The piece was not about Trey, but it was a part about a paragraph long. So for what it's worth, this is, this is his words now, Kyrie Irving and Trey Young, two all-star level point guards, were both sitting courtside in Los Angeles for the second time this postseason. Young, like Anthony, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, is a clutch client. Lakers have had internal discussions about what a hypothetical trade offer for Young could look like this summer, according to multiple league sources not authorized to speak publicly. That's the end of that. So let's go one at a time here. Trey Young sitting courtside at a conference finals game is not abnormal at all. Trey loves basketball. That's one thing it's very important to point out. Trey is a just a hooper. He just he just loves the game of basketball. Nothing wrong with that. Obviously, it's a good thing in the in your franchise player. That's one thing. Also, he spends a lot of time in the LA in the offseason. He has a house there, I believe. Uh, that's I, I, that's not a total. Uh, I'm not reporting that. I think I think it's the case. He's definitely there a lot. And yes, he's a clutch client. And the Laker photoshops have been happening since the day he signed with Clutch. That's kind of the name of the game, I guess, on some level. But there are a lot of guys around the league who are clutch clients who have not been sniffing the Lakers at any point in time. Then you have the wording here from Jovan, which basically says uh, the in- important parts. Uh, quote internal discussions. There's that part of it. That's also very normal. Why would the Lakers not have internal discussions about players in the league? Why would that try to add training if they possibly could? He would help them quite a bit. That does not mean, however, that there are any discussions with the Hawks or anything that is remotely actionable in there. 
Now, the other context here, the word hypothetical is included here. So again, hypothetical trade offer and internal discussions. It could not be softer than that. Hypotheticals and internal. Also, we'll just kind of go through what my thought process here. So the Hawks are probably not trading Trey Young. I've said this many times. I'll be pretty shocked if the Hawks trade Trey this summer and even more shocked if they were to do it without him actually making it pretty clear that he wants out. I've been on the record, and this has not changed, that I believe really the only way that I have heard ever that Trey would get, Trey would be traded would be if he was trying to get out. And I've not heard that to this point. Um, I've said this before too, but players on Trey's level, and it sort of, that can be debated. I, I know some Hawks fans think he's a top five player. Some Hawks fans are maybe out on him now at this point in time. Wherever you kind of land on Trey Young, a rational opinion of Trey is that he's a top 25, 30 player in the league, maybe higher, maybe lower, whatever. But he's obviously very good. Multi-time all-star, excellent offensive player. These guys do not get traded, generally speaking, when they are as young as he is, under control, without wanting to get traded. There are some exceptions to this, but it's very, very rare that a player as good and as high profile and famous and uh, ticket drawing, all those things as Trey, gets traded without wanting to be traded. That's part of it. Uh, so until that happens, so until we actually, or unless that happens at some point, until we actually wants out and we hear that and it's been out there, I'm going to assume Trey is on the Hawks as the centerpiece of the team and all of what they do. That makes a lot of sense. Now, if the Hawks did decide for whatever reason to trade Trey Young, the Lakers would not be in a position really compared to a lot of other teams to make a good trade offer for Trey Young. Um, it can be different. I'll acknowledge that right now. If a player wants to get to one place. Um, they sometimes can do that. Not, not every time, but Anthony Davis is a good example. He wanted to get to LA. He got there. Uh, Kevin Durant didn't get like to choose his one spot the first time around uh, when, he, when he sort of demanded a trade. This time around, though, when he got to Phoenix, he did kind of direct himself to Phoenix. But Kevin Durant is a little bit higher level player than Trey, uh, more proven, all that stuff. Um, so it doesn't mean that he couldn't get there. It's not impossible. But again, you're, you're talking about going down the line of him demanding a trade and forcing his way to LA specifically. So removing that trades under contract for a long time, that decreases his leverage. There's nothing in the reporting from Johan again, which is not, there's nothing wrong with his reporting at all. That indicated that Trey would be the one pushing himself out. And again, importantly, there is not a reasonable two team trade between the Lakers and the Hawks for Trey young, unless they include Anthony Davis. And that's not the uh, insinuation that I was reading with regard to this. Like Anthony Davis obviously would be interesting. Uh, you know, Trey versus Anthony Davis, we'll save it for another day. But AD is obviously a different kind of level in the rest of the roster, other than LeBron, who they're not going to trade. Um, so all that all that said, if you don't put AD on the table, like what is the trade? It doesn't really exist. The Lakers don't have this like, you know, war chest of assets. They have this year's first round pick. If they want to trade it, they can wait till the draft to kind of make the pick and then trade it. And then after that, they'll only have one more first round pick that's free to be traded right now is 2029. So generously, that's two first round picks for Trey Young. Trey is the kind of guy who's going to get three, four first round picks probably in terms of like a massive package if this were to be the case. Then you have the fact that the Lakers have the majority of their team hitting free agency this summer. Uh, Lonnie Walker, free agent. D'Angelo Russell, free agent. Rui Hachimura, free agent. Austin Reeves, their third best player in the playoffs, free agent. Um, the only guys they could even trade without some weird sign-and-trade machinations are Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, Jared Vanderbilt, and Max Christie. All due respect to those guys, they're not pieces for Trey Young. So maybe there is some sort of crazy three-team scenario that people can, can sort of put together about this that we could trade to LA and the Hawks have actually get an appropriate package back. 
I saw one fake trade that I'm not going to name that was just ridiculous. It was like D'Angelo Russell, Mo Bamba, and two picks or something. Like just an outrageously lopsided, there's no chance that would ever happen trade. Um, and again, I don't believe that there is an offer the Lakers could make that does not include Anthony Davis in a two-team trade that would be appetizing to the Hawks in any way, shape, or form. That's just my opinion, but maybe I'm crazy. I just don't see it based on what they have available, what they have, uh, what, what they can trade, what they're allowed to trade, free agency. You know, Austin Reeves is their best asset other than other than LeBron and AD. And Austin Reeves is, again, a free agent. He's restricted, but he's a free agent right now. So that, that's sign trade stuff, all that stuff. Anyway, the real takeaway at the end of this conversation is that there's nothing to be worried about, in my opinion. This is kind of a nothing burger in some ways. Again, I'm not blaming Jovan. He, he's doing his job here. Um, but if you're a Hawks person, this is, again, hypothetical internal discussions from the Lakers. That does not mean a trade rumor. That does not mean the Hawks are going to be engaged in trade talks for Trey. Or the Lakers are going to be uh, making trade offers for Trey even. Yes, he's in L.A. That's not a big deal. Him being at a, at a game is totally fine. I saw some Hawks fans that were mad about Trey even going to the game. I can't tell you how to feel. That, that I don't think that should bother you. Uh, Trey likes basketball. He's courtside. He's a famous person. Why wouldn't he want to see that up close and personal? Anyway, it's also the day after the Lakers season ended when this all happened. And there's a paragraph. Um, th- this trade paragraph happened in, in a piece about LeBron heavily flirting with retirement, which, by the way, I don't believe is going to happen. It's just my guess. But there's a lot happening here on the Lakers side. At least for now, I would not worry about this as a Hawks fan whatsoever. I'm just telling you my opinion on this on the subject. But uh, if you combine all the forces together, the wording from Jovan, the fact that the Lakers don't really have anything to trade, the fact that I think the, the Hawks are not going to trade Trey Young, and if they did, it would have to be a lot of noise from Trey's side. I actually had that get done. That's where I am for now. Maybe I'll look silly about this later on, but uh, I wouldn't worry at this point in time. All right. We have some more news to get to in a second, as well as some mailbag questions to touch on. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. If you're my trying to pack tickets for a big event at the last minute, it can be really stressful. Not the best idea for your emotions or your wallets. And after all, my tickets should not be a hassle at all. With Game Time, you have the ability to have the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for sports and music, comedy, theater, etc. They've killed deals with last minute tickets, and their best price guarantee is in place so that you can avoid stress and start getting hyped for the event that you're actually going to be attending. Spring is here in full force, almost the summer at this point in time. And there's lots of stuff going on in Atlanta. I'm sure there is around you as well. You can flash those last-minute tickets with Game Time. It's so easy to find all the tickets that you're looking for for any kind of event. You can see where actually seats are going to be located with images on the app itself. And they have protection if the event happens to get canceled. Forget planning months in advance. They have the deals up on tickets up to the minute, minute and the day of the event. And the Game Time guarantee is also important because you'll have the best price. You can find tickets in the same section in the same row for less. Give them extra credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets just a matter of seconds. Plus, those tickets will be sent directly to you via your phone. It's just that easy. And double the Game Time app right now. Create an account. Use the promo code Locked on NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem that promo code Locked on NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, and a little bit more news here before we get to the mailbag questions of the last couple of days. Mark Stein reported that the Hawks are, quote, closing in on the addition of Igor Kokoskov to quit our staff uh, on the bench. Noted that Kokoskov actually expected to be the lead assistant. That was kind of the notable part for me. Uh, he is a former head coach of the Suns, also a former head coach of the Slovenian national team. Worked on the Quint Snyder for three years in Utah. Um, respected coach, obviously, has worked in Sacramento and Dallas and Brooklyn. A pretty big name assistant. So him being lead assistant is not hugely surprising. This is not, again, he was kind of already out there from reporting from Mike Scotto. He was working for Quinn in the past. I thought it probably would be Alex Jensen as the lead assistant. So that's a little bit of a surprise on some level, but nothing's been announced at this point in time. And we'll see how, if he even comes to Atlanta, maybe he has another job lined up elsewhere. But right now, the staff, as it's been reported, includes Mike Bray, the former Notre Dame coach, Antonio Lang, 
and Kokoskov, and there is more to add to the to the staff, but um, some interesting mixes of names. But notably, all three guys have close ties to Quinn Snyder. Not a huge surprise, kind of how it works in the NBA, but there you go. The other thing on the news front was that the Hawks announced one of their preseason games for next season. It's going to be Saturday, October 14th at Gateway Center in College Park. They'll be playing against the Pelicans. The Hawks never announced their schedule early. They always wait forever and forever. So it's noble that they even did this, but the, the Pelicans actually released their whole schedule. So the Hawks confirmed it and announced their own. And it's probably notable because it's happening at the G League Arena. It's also a return trip. Last year, you may note that I actually went to this game in Birmingham. The Hawks played the Pelicans at the Geely facility in Birmingham. It's sort of a return trip to that happening in College Park. So good opportunity there. A much smaller venue in College Park. So we'll see how the tickets go for that. I'm sure it'll be uh, sold out in a hurry for that game. But um, yeah, notable for sure. And uh, we'll have more on that when we get closer to the preseason itself. All right. Time for some mailbag questions. And again, thank you for sending these in. Always, please feel free to fire them at me at Lotton Hawks on Twitter. At BT Roll is my personal Twitter account. Also, lotsonhawks at gmail.com. If you have a longer question that uh, needs some more time and space, we'll go ahead and fire it there as well. Question from Rodolfo, who says, Did any performances at the draft combine change your evaluations? Was there a jump like Jalen Williams made last year? Uh, I will say the second part first, and there was definitely not a prospect like Jalen Williams at the combine this year. Uh, to be fair, Williams was already a guy that was like a top 20 player for a lot of people that I find smart last year before the combine, but then he made this like very loud announcement. He was kind of off the radar because he was playing at a small college, all that stuff, but he blew everybody away. There was a lot to be taken the top 15, 16 picks at that point in time ended up being a lottery pick. There's no real trajectory like that this time around. Now, uh, part of that is because the combine dynamics are interesting. So there's, there's a transition period to where in the new CBA, there's like some more mandated participation, but we're not quite there yet. So this year, there was not a single guy that I think is like a definite first rounder that played in any scrimmage at the combine. In fact, 37 different players opted out of the scrimmages. So that's kind of useful context. There were some winners though through the week though. It seems like Omax Prosper was probably the biggest one. Maybe Ben Shepard along the way. Prosper is a forward from Marquette who was already on the radar, like a top 45-ish guy for a lot of people. But he tested fantastically athletically, played well in the scrimmage and actually shut it down after the first day, which is usually a good sign. Um, might be like a late first round pick. At least kind of in play now. I'm not sure that I, I will have him there. I have more tape to watch on him, but a guy who definitely seemed to rise. and saw all the best of lists in the last couple of days. Ben Shepard is an older perimeter player, much more boring from Belmont, but it's an interesting test for anybody that's like playing on a small college, like Prosper played in the Big East. No huge like jumping competition, but Belmont is a great program, but not a huge program necessarily. They're not, they're not playing against the high level athletes, but Shepard looked good. A perimeter guy can really shoot it. Knows how to play, like a top 40-ish guy for a lot of people. I saw, I think, Sam Bassini had him in his top 35-40 after the combine. So a name to monitor, especially for the Hawks in that middle second round range. Uh, a couple of other guys that always had their stock seemingly rise, maybe a little bit. Um, Amari Bailey, former five-star prospect out of high school from UCLA. Brandon Pajemski, I believe is the way you say his name, from Santa Clara. He's getting a lot of the Jalen Williams comparisons that are kind of silly because he played at Santa Clara. But that is uh, too aggressive, let's say, but still a potential like top 35 pick in the draft. Um, I like Seth Lundy from Penn State as a second-round pick, probably draftable player for me, but um, I won't give the whole list now. But overall, I think the combine is not that big of a deal, generally speaking, as far as the scrimmages are concerned. The measurements are useful. I definitely keep a, a stockpile of those to reference. Um, it is very rare that they will materially change my evaluation when we kind of see the guy play on tape for years. But the biggest things, as people in the league will tell you, are the medicals and the interviews. Much more than the scrimmages and the measurements and the drills are probably the least important thing. 
in some ways. Like, I don't care what someone shot at 10 shots. It doesn't really matter to me. Um, but I, I, I do think that people all on the outside, including myself, don't always hear about medical stuff unless it's like, kind of bad. So that's not great. Um, interviews are, t- are tough to parse too. You'll probably get mixed information. Uh, everybody lies to you from this point forward, basically, in the draft. I know that even as someone who's trying to do a little bit of reporting on this stuff, keep your guard up on that stuff. It's four weeks away. I do have a, a few guests lined up in the future. I'll have much more draft talk coming. But I would say no one that the Hawks could, at least for me, draft 15 overall, scrimmaged and did much at the combine. Um, second round picks are definitely more interesting. We'll have more on that in the future for number 46 overall. But nothing uh, materially changed for me at the combine with regard to the Hawks first rounder. And we'll have more on that later on. Question from Chris, who asks, do you think DeAndre Ayton is an option for the Hawks? Bleacher Report had the Hawks on the list for him if traded. Interesting here. So before I answer this, I pulled the Bleacher Report reference that Chris was making. I think it's from Eric Pincus earlier this month when he actually had the Hawks on a list of teams that, quote, could include the Hawks for Ayton. Um, this is before the lottery, so keep that in mind. I also have the Hornets and the Wolves and the Thunder and the Magic, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that the Hawks had some preliminary talks about Aiton a year ago when he was a free agent, um, maybe some sign and trade stuff, before he signed the offer sheet with Indiana. It never got really serious, but he was always floated out there a lot. We talked about him a lot about a year ago. Um, he was not very good this year. Still like a starting center, don't get me wrong. He's not a terrible player or anything like that, but he had a disappointing season for sure. Um, wasn't that good in the playoffs. And the counter to that, though, is that he's still very young. He's still a great physical player like he's you know seven seven footer every tool in the books like had a number one overall pick for a reason even though he probably shouldn't have gone number one in fact definitely shouldn't have gone number one in that class but still should have been a top five pick in that class if you go by like just his measurables on stuff so as far as an option for the for the hawks i think he's gonna be very available let's just say that with regard to the suns after the way things ended i think everyone assumes the the suns are gonna uh, pretty much market him heavily i've never been particularly high on trading for ayton even when Hawks fans were more excited about him a year ago before he played kind of poorly this year on the whole, at least by curve. Um, his ceiling is very high for sure when he has it all going, but defensively it waxes and wanes. He's not always consistent on the end of the floor and physicality wise, like everyone kind of agrees. He just does not play to the same physicality that he probably should given his size and burst. A lot of floaters, a lot of mid range jumpers, etc. So I think obviously the Hawks have to move Capella to have any interest in Aiton. It's been a long rumor, kind of funny. Uh, I think that the Suns would be better with Capella than they were with Aiden. I think Capella just kind of does more for them. Um, Aiden is obviously a higher ceiling player than Capella, but still. But I think the Hawks, of course, have a Kongu in that scenario. So I think I think if the Hawks trade Capella, it's going to be to roll, roll with the Kongu most likely. So that's part of the deal here. I suppose Aiden and Kongu could play a little bit together potentially because Aiden is more versatile than Capella for sure. And Kongu has some burgeoning perimeter stuff on his game. But Aiden's making more than $30 million a year for a long time. So, and for me, he's like at best a neutral value on that contract. Not going to be a huge upside, I don't think, on that deal. So, and probably a negative based on this year alone. I'm not saying it's a negative long term, but probably not going to be a huge, huge plus value either. So, I would not want to trade for DeAndre Ayton, probably. I think there's obviously always a price where it could make sense if it's Capella and nothing else. Like, you got to at least evaluate that long term wise, but he makes a lot of money. That's part of the deal here. Um, I can't say it's impossible or anything like that, but for me, like eight would not be a priority topic for me. I'm sure Hawks fans, some of them at least will want him, but I think the combination of having a Kongu already, having Capella, who I still think is a really good player, even if they move him, it'll be again to kind of invest more in a Kongu. And I think eight is too good and too well paid to be like kind of the, the one B center to a Kongu. So it'd be a pretty drastic shift. I don't know how Quinn Snyder feels about him, obviously, but we'll see about that in the future potentially. But I would say that, 
yeah, I'm not I'm not mad at Eric Pekas for including the Hawks on a list of teams that's like 10 teams long for Aiden. But um, for me, anyway, if I was in charge, I would not be kind of uh, banging down the door to get down to Aiden at this point in time. There you go. All right. One more break here from our sponsor of today's podcast. We'll be right back. But first, a word from our friends. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, and the award-winning app over there is Prize Picks. They make daily fantasy made easy. It's amazing that I know that you will love it as well. It's very easy to use with safe and fast withdrawals as well. Every day during the playoffs, they have one Prize Picks user with a chance to become a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Time will be randomly selected each and every day. Whoever places that entry will get a six-pick flex with the following payouts. If you get all six correct, one million dollars. Five out of six, eighty thousand dollars. Four out of six, sixty thousand dollars. And all the details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at that link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Again, prizepicks.com slash million. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play like you normally would at prizepicks, and you could be the lucky winner. Not only the app right now, go to prizepicks.com slash play Dan Fantasy Sports. If you're a first-time user, get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. Don't forget the promo code. It is locked on and sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now with prizepicks. And one more time, the URL is prizepicks.com slash million. All right, one more question to answer on today's podcast, and it comes from Matt, who says, if the Hawks could use a one-time amnesty again, would it be Hunter or would it be Trey? Um, Interesting hypothetical that we'll talk about in a second, uh, but I'll just say this at the very, very top of this answer. Trey is not an option for this. Um, There is no chance he'd be the choice. Not worth discussing, really, at all. So uh, I I do appreciate the question. It's a good question, just not involving Trey. So take Trey off the the table. Now, the question is, um, I'll just give you some explanation here. So I know a lot of people probably won't even remember this, but more than a decade ago, the league granted a provision to the teams that they could amnesty a contract to wipe one contract off the books entirely. That player still got paid, so it was still a contract, but it was not counting against the cap. It was one per team. There was rules about it, all that stuff. There's no indication it's going to happen anytime soon, but the question is, and it's a good hypothetical from Matt, he's basically asking which contract the Hawks would undo if they had a chance to go ahead and do that right now just without any penalty at all. Now, I think there are basically five options for this. There are four players and, of course, the option to just do nothing because uh, there are some teams that wouldn't do this at all. Now, because you, you didn't have to use it. Um, probably for me, a top two, but the four candidates are Hunter, who Matt did ask about, plus I think Collins, Capella, and Madonovich would be the four guys you could reasonably consider. Now, the Hawks only have six guys on contracts that are not rookie deals, and they are – course those four plus trey and dejante who i think would not be considered dejante is on, on expiring contracts uh, is there a world where dejante gets the max and that becomes an, an option maybe we're not we're not quite there yet so from the top four i personally would remove capella and bogey from consideration now capella could be traded very easily at his number i believe there are two, two years remaining so that's part of the calculus here i think capella is a, either a neutral or a slight positive value contract that's uh basically if you have a neutral contract you shouldn't want to amnesty it that's kind of the way that it should go Bogey is a longer deal. He just signed it, of course, but it's a team option at the end. It's $16 million a year the last two seasons. And that that money, I know people have not figured this out yet. I'll keep saying it all summer long. I'm sure of it. Same thing with, with regard to Collins, with regard to Hunter. The money that you're thinking in your head does not apply to the future. So, for instance, $20 million, $20 million players used to be expensive players. Now that's going to be like a fifth starter, basically. Maybe even less than that. Bogey makes $16 million at the end of that contract. It's like seventh man money. So adjust that accordingly. Uh, he would be interesting. I think that if you have an injury for Bogey at some point, maybe that becomes an option. But for right now, that's a neutral contract. It seems, it seems totally fine to me. That leaves Collins and Hunter as the two options here. Just for uh, information purposes, Collins has three years left at about $78 million total, 30 years of player option. Hunter has four years left 
about $91.5 million. It's kind of an eye of the beholder thing, honestly, because I believe that, and I've said this before, I think the Hawks have no bad contracts, like capital B bad contracts. Now, that does not mean that every team in the league believes that John Collins is a positive value or that Hunter's a positive value or even that Capella or Bagnamich are positive values. I am sure there is some mixture around the league on all four of these guys. That's why I included all four of them in terms of how good those contracts actually are. But I believe there's at least a few teams, if not more than a few teams, that would value every contract on the Hawks roster as a positive value, or at least a neutral value contract. There are no disasters. There's no Ben Simmons contract on the Hawks books right now. I know that some Hawks fans are probably rolling their eyes about either Hunter or Collins or whatever. I'm telling you from a survey of the league, I don't believe any contract the Hawks have is a bad contract. The closest one I will award at the end of this. So I'll still pick one, but I want to say that again, very, very honestly. So it's again, I have to be holder on some level. Between Collins and Hunter, Collins has been a much, much better player over the course of his career than Hunter has been. Maybe that's controversial, but I don't, I don't believe that it is. Collins has been much better on the whole than Hunter in their careers. Collins, by the way, and Hunter are the same age. Different draft classes, but they are the same age within a couple of months. Keep that in mind, too. On the other side of it, Hunter is much more of the plug-and-play type of player that the league values. The 6'8", two-way wing player that can shoot a little bit, defend, all that stuff. So, like, you have one guy in Collins who has been a better player than Hunter, very clearly, over their careers. Then you have Hunter, who makes more sense more places. And, obviously, you know, the Hawks invested in more recently, all those things. So that's interesting. Um, with their salary cap concerns and where the things are right now, New, New Deal is a disaster. I would probably pick Collins if you made me choose one. And I say that because of not what I really think about Collins, but because of what the league thinks about Collins versus Hunter. And uh, again, I would not do it with anyone on this roster. I think the Collins deal is fine. I think the Hunter deal is fine. Now, are they great contracts? No, they're not. Uh, especially the Hunter one is much more speculative. Collins had proven a lot more and they paid him, but they paid Collins into a bad situation for Collins, which we saw this year. Uh, the fit's not great there. Hunter had a better situation and they need him more, but they paid him for future value, not present. Like when he get that, when he got that extension, I talked about it on this podcast, he had not earned quote unquote that money in the future. He had not played to that level. He had to be better to earn his contract. Whereas Collins just had to be the same. Anyway, I think that they have not been in love with Collins for a while. That's very obvious. They have more backup options with Bay and Johnson, and the cost savings per year is higher with Collins. That is why I would probably pick Collins if I had to choose one of these to wipe off. Because practically speaking, knowing as I do, the Hawks might want to trade him more urgently. If you could just go ahead and remove that from the calculus, you might want to do that. I'm not saying you would, but you might want to. I think a lot of people in the league that I talk to would choose Hunter. Because again, he's not proven nearly as much as Collins to be like a really... Honestly, he's not, had, he's not had a full season where he has proven to be a high-level starter in the league. Collins was like a top 60 player in the league multiple times um, for full seasons. Um, in on, on the top 100 list, on the production, all that stuff. Hunter has never been that level of player. Not, not even really close. This was his best season. He was his, It was his most durable season. But he, he did not play all that well. Now, it's a valuable archetype for sure. So all that, all that said, I think it comes down to personal preference in a lot of ways. The answer, and again, it's probably boring – but I think the answer is probably no one if you made me choose. But if I have Landry Fields and I really, really, really want to get off John Collins' contract or I really, really do not like the, the, the Hunter extension, it would not be bad to amnesty either one of them. But again, this is just a hypothetical anyway. 
I would probably choose no one. I think polling people around the league, when I asked this question kind of behind the scenes, prep for this podcast, it was slightly leaning more towards Collins, between Collins and Hunter. But some of the answers were like, these deals are kind of fine. And I understand that people are not going to agree with all of that. And that's totally fine. That's just me and the league markets and kind of where things are. And uh, it's very interesting for sure. Amnesties uh, would be fascinating to talk about as a salary cap kind of dork that I am on some level. But no indication that's going to be coming back anytime soon. But it was a wild, wild, wild time about 10 years ago in the league. If you are a longtime NBA fan, you'll remember that. Fondly or not so fondly, depending on what you look at in the future. Okay, that's it for me on today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, um, Odyssey app, all those places. I do appreciate all that stuff. Please game system. If you want to subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, download multiple times, auto download the podcast. I definitely encourage all of those little tricks. Uh, reviews are very much encouraged. Five stars. Nice comments. Also nice as well. Tell a friend about the show. If you enjoy the podcast, I do appreciate that as well. You we try to grow the product into the off season, into the next year, of, of course, as well. And uh, yeah, one more time. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. We'll have much more coming up later in the week. And until then, we'll see you next time.